Welcome to the Durable DevOps podcast powered by M3, the podcast about invincible IT built for the speed of change. I'm your host, Connor Darnbank, and today I'm joined by guest Sean Mack, CIO and CISO of Wiley. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Connor. It's an absolute pleasure, and for our listeners, I have to admit, I do know Sean already. We've had you know, a few years of kind of back and forth in the industry as someone I very much respect, a great technology leader. And interestingly, there is a connection right now where our companies are you know, technically one company. So I work at M3 in my day job, and Sean is at Wiley, and Wiley acquired M3 uh, a few months ago, back in January. So uh, technically, we're colleagues, and that's it makes this even more fun. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I feel like we've been working together on and off for for years now, and we're actually finally at the same company. So this is great, and and what a pleasure to be on your show and and talking to you here. Thank you. Now the pleasure is all mine. I, I'm I'm very happy to to have this conversation with you. So, Sean, what have you been up to? What's going on in your life uh, before we get into kind of DevOps and technology and all these things? What's happening in your life at the moment? You mean besides uh, adjusting to COVID nineteen and and work from home life and uh, all the yeah uh, significant cultural and and changes going on besides all that. Yes, besides those things, and, and probably living in an apartment like I am as well in the middle of Manhattan. <laughs> what, what else is happening? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually been quite, quite interesting. I mean, we, we, um, we're right down here in downtown New York as well, and I actually live across from a, a hospital here. So we've seen the whole pandemic um, coming through, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's been really interesting. They bit, built a triage tent um, outside my, my house, so not, not 50, 50 feet from my front door. We had a triage tent. So we've got to see it up front. And, you know, as, as hard as that's been, it's also been amazing that the, the uh, fire department, the EMTs have all been coming out at 7 p.m. to do celebrations, which was just amazing to see as it was going on. So... Um, despite all the kind of turmoil, it, it's, it's brought us together in a new way, you know, um, and our teams as well. Um, you know, and the family's adjusting to it too. I've been doing <laughs> to, uh, PE with my daughter. I get to be a gym teacher every day now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so she's keeping you fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting in front of the computer doesn't do it. So she keeps me moving. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, it, that, that's one of the fascinating things that's come out of this, right? It's, while it's been obviously terrible and we all know that the news aspect of, of the, the negative side, but, you know, bringing people together and, you know, fathers like yourself being able to, to actually spend true quality time with, uh, with the family, you know, you might have to work all day, but you still have to think about, you know, how she getting the studying done. PE class time and then and then what about you I've, I've heard you did some kind of a, is it a martial arts online class recently what was that uh, that's right that's right our um luckily so I, I do martial arts a few I do um uh mostly Jeet Kune Do right but I also do some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and and I should say I'm not very good at any of them guys don't <laughs> mess with Sean Mack <laughs> Right, right. If they get past our firewalls, right, they're going to have to face me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, 
but luckily um, the 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 um, studio I work with has moved all their classes to online, right? So uh, I don't have to go go far to get my uh, workout at home either, and and so I've been doing that. And they've been bringing you know they've been bringing some great people because now they've got access to all these you know, very popular MMA uh, folks, uh, Muay Thai folks, um, uh, BJJ folks have been coming on and doing uh, seminars as well. And so that's been really, really neat to see, you know, they can come in from wherever they are, whether that's um, across the world or, or whatnot into our living rooms to, to do these. Yeah, there's classes. no more geographical restriction, right? They, just, they can log in and then a larger class can watch all at once, which is actually. And I perfect. have no excuse for not making it to class because it's in my living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to just click log in and then you're, <laughs> you don't even have to put your sneakers on to leave. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. So you've been, you've been keeping fit by the sounds of things, which is good. And, uh, I'm and trying to, yeah. Try, trying your best. And I think that's what we're all doing. You know, I've been keeping up my cycling too. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the one positive is that, you know, like we said, a bit more is opening up and, and maybe you'll find yourself out working out outdoors in the near future with a, I don't know, a group class of some kind. But I think there's probably some benefits you'll keep from the, uh, the virtual training stuff that's been happening too. Yeah. I, you know, I like the idea of cycling. I mean, that, that at least would, would get you outdoors. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I love about it. It's being able to just, you know, you can get on something with two wheels and using just your own, you know, your own energy. You can go very, very far away. And, I, and I've been far. <laughs> I, I ride quite a lot. And, uh, you know, it just exploring little areas, right? I could be upstate New York or upstate New Jersey, have a coffee and, a, you know, a cookie somewhere random. Oh. And then, uh, you know, just chatting to people you might never have met. And, uh, you know, I don't have a car here in the city, so it gives me something. Uh, that access I, I need every weekend to just get out and uh, get the fresh air in. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, so Sean, you're working, what, what does it mean to be a CIO and a CISO at Wiley? What, what, are you, what, what does your kind of core job entail? What do these titles bring with it and what, what are you getting up to? Sure. Well, you know, I, I mean, I've been here just a bit over six months now. So to, to some extent, I'm still figuring it out. Um, but, uh, but to a large extent, um, I guess I'd say, a, I love being at Wiley, and, and now you get to be part of the Wiley family as well, just because we're dealing with education and research, right? And so even with everything going on with COVID, like education and research have never been more important. And so it's tremendous. Like I work in technology, and technology can be part of, can, is part of almost everything today, right? So. Um, but to bring that technology to help improve education and research um, is just really motivating in terms of what I'm doing every day and a really powerful um, driver for me, right? And, and something that is exciting to be part of. Um, and the other thing I, you know, I'll say is that it's interesting because Wiley is a company that's been around for a while, right? Like, what is it, 216 years or 200 and some odd years, let's say, right? Yeah. And so you think of that and you think, oh, this is a, a company that's got a lot of history. Um, but it's also a company that's steeped in innovation, right? They've only been around for 200 and some odd years because they continue to innovate. 
Um, and the leadership team here is one that is really looking to continue to innovate. And like, I mean, we've been talking about DevOps for, for years now, right? Um, and, you know, one of the reasons I believe that, that they brought me here was to help drive that DevOps transformation. And so it's, it's great to be part of this company that on the one hand is uh, focused on research and education and technology, right? And is the other, on the other hand is, is, is transforming. And I've always thought of myself as a transformational leader. And so I get to bring that to, to, to a company that's doing some really neat stuff. And it's just a great, great thing to be part of. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I can see what, where you're coming from there. So if the, if the kind of the why of the company is in the right place, right, you're, it's working towards education, it's working towards research. Okay, how do we do that better? How do we do that faster for more people? Right? How do we expand those things? So the work you're trying to do leading the information security and information um, technology of the company should facilitate that, you know, it should allow this to happen faster, better and in a larger scale. That's that's exactly right, Connor. And and like, isn't that the, the the promise that we've seen with DevOps, right? Isn't that that faster, more nimble, more more agile, and more stable and more secure? Why, you know, at, at least for me, why I'm so attracted to DevOps, right? Because I've been doing this stuff a long time, and we've tried tried to find that balance, and now. We, with DevOps, we have a way that we can bring it all, right, and bring it all together. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, very exciting. And, and like you said, when, when the why is the right place too, right, then you have to Exactly, exactly. And so I, I'm aware that in the past you've also worked in the education technology space. You know, you were with Pearson as well for a few years yep. ago. And so it's a space that you've, this isn't your first time around. And while I understand, you know, it takes a bit of time to get moving, it's only been six months. Uh, what does, what does it look like in education technology and research compared to other areas of the industry? Because you're a person that speaks to, you speak to a lot of people, so do I. And I want to know kind of some of, maybe some of the challenges, uh, like the hurdles you're trying to get through, as well as some of the areas you think that maybe this space is actually leading. Yeah, no, and, and are you asking specifically Wiley versus other ed tech or looking at the broader ed tech space. We, we could look at the, the, the space. I think the space in general. And, and then also, the, you know, if Wiley's doing something that's unique in that space, I think that'd be relevant and interesting to hear as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess what I'll say is I, I have worked, I've worked with a few different educational technology companies and, and even in running my own firm, some of our clients were at ed tech. And so I've, um, had a lot of experience working with all size um, companies. You know, one thing that's very interesting is a lot of what we've been talking about for a while is actually been accelerated by COVID. Um, and and Wiley is actually way more diverse than many people may think, right? You, you think of Wiley and you think of some of our consumer brands like the, for dummies, right? And you think of books, but we're actually, you know, behind all sorts of research journals and 
um, actually part of white label um, white label education platforms for universities. And so, in a lot of ways, COVID and work from home has accelerated markets that we've been trying to build. And so that's really neat. Like we've seen a few of our platforms just take off, right? Um, and, and of course, you know, again, being in, in a wide variety, having a wide portfolio of, of, of interests at Wiley, um, it's affected different businesses differently. Uh, but it's very hard sometimes to get, you can build the greatest technology, but if in institutions, if, if users aren't ready to change, that's very hard to do. But COVID has forced institutional change, has forced more and more learners to go online. Um, and so several of our, our platforms, um, in fact, newer acquisitions like Newton, um, have just really seen an increase in, in demand. Um, and where we've been trying to push users, push universities to adopt online platforms, right? We're not pushing anymore. Now they're pulling. And, and so that's been really gratifying to see. That's a really good point. And, uh, and one that maybe I, I even personally could have overlooked if, if we hadn't had this discussion. And I, I'm aware of very much so that, you know, this current time has accelerated a lot of change for many companies. But yeah, great point. You know, all the, everyone must now figure out how to learn online. And the fact that, you know, there may be platforms and products available at, you know, the fingertips of people, they, they weren't necessarily there before, right? So they had to be built. Someone had to think about that and, and have it ready and prepared. Um, and I think, yeah, the preparation really, we were all probably thinking well before March, and we are going to have to have some kind of change in that people will want to be able to do an online seminar. But we didn't think that maybe we'd have thousands of people needing to join an online seminar because universities close, right? So and, and every single book you would ever want to get from the library is never going to be available. And so, and also, forgive me for a second, this uh, dog wants to, to try and get involved with the podcast. So, guys, we are working. <laughs> we have a whole home. new host of uh, co-workers today, right? Exactly. Yes. And if I say it loud enough, my fiance might realize that he needs another treat and uh, she'll help us out. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll see you in a, in a moment if someone comes running in. And uh, there we go. And uh, so into the actual... The, the demands that are needed when it comes to the space you're in. So it, we're looking, you know, sometimes I'll be speaking to financial services, for example, and it's, okay, we, we need our, our platforms to be up and running for the billions of dollars that are, you know, being uh, passed around for, from consumers to company to company and so on. And um, when it comes to a university lecture or the availability of a book or some research or just connecting people, these are also very important. It might not look the same from a financial perspective, but they're also extremely critical. So yeah. I really, when it comes to how DevOps looks and how it performs, I think the pressure of the consumer is quite often what we're looking at. It's the business value. We need to get our consumer something now because of the business pressure we have. We will make that happen. We'll make these change. We'll be innovative. So again, that that would have happened a lot in the last few months, as you've mentioned. But what what does things like team structure? You know, what does DevOps look like at the moment? Maybe some of the technologies and the practices that are happening. As you're kind of probably looking at this right now, these are some of the questions you're probably thinking. How how do we look in our current state of change at Wiley? What do we need to do to get to the next step? Yeah, um, 
I mean, I think I'd almost separate out team structure from, you know, like, I think, you know, Wiley is going through several transformations, right? Um, and one of them is that DevOps transformation. And this is something that was in, in um, progress when I got here, you know, and, and I think that um, uh, our CTO or F Mateen has done a great job in, in pushing it and laying the foundations there. Um, and so we have a great team uh, of SREs who are embedded with all of our teams, uh, all of our delivery teams. And more and more, um, we are looking at self-contained delivery teams, right? And, and kind of breaking, moving away from the, the legacy tiered service model to, um, to uh, fully contain what I'm calling functional delivery teams or cross-functional delivery teams, which have everything they need to deliver value to the customer. And those include frequently uh, cyber liability engineers. At the same time, we have a core DevOps engineering group that are building uh, things like shared Kubernetes platforms so that uh, anyone, any team can access this. Um, that, so, so that's kind of a functional team structure, but, but what I'll say is that what's exciting about DevOps right now and for Wiley is that a lot of what we've been talking about for a long time is showing value in critical ways in this crisis uh, major transformation situation, right? Things like, um, you know, rapid delivery, of small batch sizes, right? Really something we've been talking about for a long time, but never has that been more critical than when we need to quickly pivot because of something that no one could have ever expected, like a global pandemic, where we have, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of students switching to online, right? Uh, never has the agility the time to market and the stability that's ingrained in DevOps been more important than at a time of radical change like today. Um, and that translates to delivering value uh, to our educators, to our students, to our researchers. Um, and, and value, that means great education, great access to research, uh, for lower price points. And, th and that's really, really um, great to be a part of. And, and you know, I think that the, the DevOps transformation is key to that. Exactly. And, and the transformation, the fact that you were already on this journey and time and time again, you, you know, every, every conference you go to, every time you have a, an interesting conversation, maybe that's someone that doesn't always agree, there's many times when you speak to people are like, yeah, we, we get it, we understand that's important, but like, we're busy, we don't have the time for that stuff. Uh, and I don't think there's many like people that truly don't believe in kind of this transformation, how important it is, but I think many people didn't understand how far they need to go. And the, the point of, we, we may not need this, but we should be prepared for a serious threat, whatever that could be, a competitor, uh, someone doing this better than us, 
or us all being shut down tomorrow and having to figure this out and ha keep everyone online while we're all working from home. So even the hardware issues that come with the employees of Wiley being able to deliver the services combined with the software level issues of keeping the services actually up and running. So it, it's really a, a sign of like a tick in the box. Okay, were we actually prepared? Were we, did we have the agility uh, and then the ways of connecting and communicating, like even the cultural level, you know, were we able to work together, hold this, this ship up and keep it moving forward? And I think that's a, the confidence you show even in the way you answer that is a good sign of a company that has walked in the right direction. And, you know, not by any means saying that it's perfect or it wasn't challenging, um, but saying, okay, well, we felt like it was all right because we were in a position that we were already, we already could deal with this. We could kind of flick a switch and keep on working. That's right. And, and look, Connor, I've talked to CIOs and CTOs and CISOs, um, uh, you know, from very many companies and uh, about their journeys. And some of them were um, hard, right? And I, I, you know, have felt tremendously fortunate that from a security posture standpoint, we were in a good place from uh you know, end user compute perspective, we were in a good place. Um, and from a application and product delivery perspective, we were in a good place. You know, we saw applications see, you know, huge increase in volume. And because these applications were already built um, with kind of cloud-based, on cloud-based technologies with a cloud-based architecture, right? They could rapidly shift to meet the demands. And this isn't to say it was all perfect to your point, but definitely, there was definitely a lot of work uh, that made it go smoothly. Um, but uh, where we did see problems, we had teams that were used to a rapid release cadence so that they could quickly address performance issues and respond to the market demands, right? Um, and, and make releases to ensure that we could grow with increasing demands. Correct, that, that's it. It's, it's not that you knew this was coming or there was a set, it, it's the practices used, it's the ability to do quick iterations and respond extremely quickly to anything, right? And that's, that, that's really what, what we've kind of been singing and trying to scream about for the num a number of years when whenever we come across people in the, in the industry who maybe don't understand that this was this was never about devops is a tool or it was never about jenkins or kubernetes or docker yes, it's always yeah. about the practices which are allow you to you the technology just allowed us to do these things very quickly but it was the practices that always helped yeah and i mean to your point like previously about yeah, we don't really need this. Well, you may not have needed it, but I'll tell you what, the fact that we had that foundation built has allowed us to, in the face of a global pandemic, in the face of major uh, global change, we've been able to accelerate, not just meet demand in a way that positions us um, both going into this and coming out of this in a much better uh, place than our competition. That's, that's good to hear. So, so the, the, there's, there's an interesting thing about, about your title, Sean. You have two, that, right? CIO and CISO. Um, so that's something that I think 
maybe the last couple of years, many people have started to think about, okay, DevSecOps, security needs to be a part mm -hmm. of this. So I'm guessing that's, that's involved with this kind of uh, the dual title. Maybe, maybe you can um, share with us first, maybe why, I, and then also a question I have to, to top it off is, what are organizations missing uh, in terms of security when we're talking transformation, DevOps, and so on? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was at a on, on a panel discussion the other day, and they, one of the questions was, you know, how do you deal with the conflicting uh, requirements of, it was a security panel of this CISO with the CIO, and I said, well, that's an interesting question and an interesting discussion because I just talked to myself. <laughs> just get, get a mirror, talk to the mirror. <laughs> I think you need to talk to Sean about that, yeah. Um, so, uh, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, um, again, we're, we're transforming and I think there's a separate mindset with DevOps about how you approach everything. And this is um, and, and this is one of the cultural aspects about uh, DevOps, where it's not about gates and it's not about bureaucracy and it's not about, but it's it is about uh, enablement and building in self-sufficiency um, and accelerating rather than um, than putting up those walls, right? I mean, we 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 go back to where we started with DevOps, where you had ops motivated to reduce change and Dev motivated to uh, push change at all costs, right? And and about breaking down those silos, creating shared vision and goals, right? And, um, and so when we focus on the culture of DevOps, it's about enablement, it's about automation, right? Um, and so when I look at security and DevSecOps, uh, I bring a lot of those same uh, philosophies and concepts, right? Which is how do we not make security be a gate, but security becomes just part of what we do. And when I say what we do, I don't mean what we as security do, but what we as a company, right? And how do we do that in a way that isn't bureaucratic checkboxes, but is automated part of delivery, right? And so this gets back to inserting security uh, as early as possible in the pipeline, right? So that those security checks are part of your continuous integration, right? So when you're integrating, those security checks are, so if you built a piece of code, they're getting immediate feedback on potential security issues there. Or even if you can build that into the IDE, right? So as they're writing the code, you're getting immediate feedback. Like, that's really um, a cool, interesting, innovative approach to this. And you know, they're, they're similar, um, we're looking at from a compliance perspective, right? Where, um, and, and let me say, we, we're not there, right? We've got a while ways to go on, on all of this, but 
uh, I have my team working on and looking at compliance as code and really making sure we understand our compliance controls in a way that can be programmatized, right? So that we're spending no man hours to verify these things. So that the verification just comes from the tools that are in place and where there are tests, those tests as much as possible can be automated. Um, and so I think when we look at DevSecOps, for me, it's, it's bringing a lot of that same enablement, um, shared responsibility, uh, cultural aspects and continuous learning uh, to an organization. And I think if you can do that, there's millions and millions you can save an organization. And that's, that's something and, and, you know, a lot of people get excited. Exactly. I I, I, um, I like the way you explained that because really what we're looking at, it's kind of again in the way that when we have DevOps as the, the word and the, the practices that come with it, where we're looping in security so that we no longer have to have a specialist who only does that thing and part of this cross-functional team everyone has the ability everyone first has the responsibility to understand the importance of security best practices they have the responsibility and they are now accountable to make sure that that is adhered to uh, and it's kind of better sharing continuous learning around this uh, and making it totally normal and accessible uh, so you're building a system in place even like you said to the point where in the ide they could have access to this so instantly people are able to make quick iterations. They, they, if the system's built the right way, it, there's less chance of, of people being able to make the mistake you're worried about them making in the first place. So it's putting right. everything forward, putting in the hands of the right people and making sure everyone's educated and, and able to use what you've put there for them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and look, we talk a lot about full stack developers and, you know, um, but I think there's only so far that could, can go and like, right, we talk about the T-shaped employee, but ultimately you cannot expect everyone to know everything as deeply as they, you know, you can't expect everyone to be a security expert and you shouldn't, right? So our job is to provide then tools which makes everyone a virtual security expert, right? Yeah, With exactly. knowing all the details of, how, how, you know, the ins and outs of a 20-year-old, 20-year veteran um, security uh, analyst, right? Um, we put the tools in their place so that everybody is a virtual security expert. Yeah, that, that's well put. That's a good way of saying it. So, so Sean, as much as I, you're someone I would always enjoy chatting for, for hours about this stuff to, I, I know that you know, time is always a, a blocker for, for many people. <laughs> so uh, the, the show is going to have to come to, a, to an end at this point. But um, I want to firstly, obviously, say thank you for, for your time today uh, and also just kind of give you the, the platform to say, you know, if, if there's a way people can reach out or connect with you, kind of where would that be and, and how can they get hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, thanks so much for having me. And, you know, always great talking to you, Connor. Um, I definitely like to continue the discussion. Feel free to, to connect with me on LinkedIn, Sean D. Mack, or on Twitter at Sean D. Mack, NYC. Uh, I'm happy to continue the conversation in either of those places. 
Awesome. Sean, thank you so much. And I'll make sure that for anyone listening, you know, the details will be in, uh, whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple or uh, SoundCloud, you'll have all the access you need uh, for, for, for follow-up conversations. Uh, so thank you, everybody. Uh, this has been the, the Durable DevOps podcast powered by M3, the podcast about invincible IT built for the speed of change. And I've been your host, Connor Dellenbank, joined by Sean Mack of Wiley.